fall in love with the numbers and get good at trusting the numbers because they don't lie. And they tell a story when you're looking at these properties, the numbers will tell you a story. You have to trust it, the story and be able to change the narrative and trust the numbers moving forward and they'll take care of you. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of fluffy stuff with us today, Chad King. How you doing, Chad? I'm doing great, Joe. Really looking forward to the conversation. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And as am I, Chad is the principal and owner of Titan Capital Group, which purchases and repositions commercial real estate. He's got 303 units as a GP and 328 as an LP based in Nashville, Tennessee. TitanCapitalGroupLLC.com is the website. With that being said, Chad, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure, absolutely. I started Humble Beginnings in the wholesale fix and flip space, kind of scaled my way up. So I did that path. I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with that trajectory. And then ultimately got into apartment complexes, was buying my own for the first couple, and then realized that through syndications can ultimately do larger deals. So then I got into doing some 506B and 506C syndications. I mean, that's where I focus all of my time now is apartment acquisitions is what I'm just mainly focused on now. So what have you purchased so far? I started with a little 14 unit that me and two buddies put a down payment together and bought a little 14 unit. We've refinanced that thing twice. And then 21 unit was the next deal, built some confidence, got to a 49 unit, then a 65 unit, then a 93 unit, and kind of had just been scaling my way up. It seemed like every deal that I did, I just got a little bit more confidence that, well, man, if I can do a 50 unit, I can do a hundred unit and it's just an extra zero. So I've been acquiring a lot of stuff between 20 and a hundred units. We've exited multiple properties. We've refinanced properties. That's what the portfolio looks like. The 303 on the GP or a mixture of a lot of 50 to a hundred unit properties. Let's talk about those. And I'd love to go through as many as we can just to hear the progression and mm-hmm. what transpired. So we'll fast forward to when you started doing larger deals. So I heard you on the wholesale and fix and flip. And I might ask a follow-up question about that in a little bit. But okay. let, let's go to when you started doing the large deals. What were the larger deals? What was the first one? So the first, let's call it syndication of the 50 unit in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So you two- went from wholesale and fix and flips to a 50 unit syndication? Yeah, there was a 14 unit and a 21 unit in between then, but that was just bought with active income that was from wholesaling and flipping. Wow. Okay. Good for you. you. But ultimately, I also had to get a guarantor. I didn't have much of a balance sheet other than making money because I was just an entrepreneur and banks don't really love entrepreneurs when they get underwritten. Um, Yep. (laughs) Because our job is to show losses, right? Yep. It's funny how that works. So I had to get a guarantor for the first couple to get them done. And now- Obviously, when the balance sheet increases, you can do your own deals. Anyway, digressing a little bit. Who is your guarantor? You don't have to name the person, but how did you know that person? Just networking. We've done a tremendous amount of wholesale fix and flip deals. He was my partner in the wholesale business. Okay. So 
it's all about networking, getting people to know, like, and trust you. And that's the same thing with raising capital, Joe. And you know that like people want to put their capital with somebody they know, like, and trust. And a lot of times it's not even about the deal. It's about the operator. So when you network and you tell people what you're doing, those relationships just sort of open themselves up, especially when the ones that you need at the time. Okay. So you did a 14 unit, a 20 unit, you got a guarantor for those because you, you needed to, but besides your guarantor, it was just you, correct? That's correct. I was right. the one running the whole deal. And even on the 21 unit that we're talking about right now, I mean, I learned a lot of lessons on that. We fired three property managers in the first two quarters of ownership. We contracted wow. off the job. It was a heavy value add deal. Six units were occupied when we bought it. And we could go down a rabbit hole, like the lessons learned on some of these apartment complexes. But what were the top two lessons learned from that 20? You said 21 unit or 20 unit? 21 unit. Yeah. What were the top two lessons learned from that 21 unit? Oh, that's a great question. I'd say the top two lessons. Number one, when selecting a property manager, you need to ask a lot of questions. I think I was a little bit still green in the apartment space. And I wasn't fully vetting the property managers the right way, but we use third-party property managers for all of our apartment complexes. I don't want to take the phone calls and I want to scale. So mm-hmm. vetting those team members on the ground is mission critical. The first one that we hired, I didn't vet them properly from an accounting and software and systems perspective. And it was just a complete nightmare on the financials. They had a contractor that was able to get out there and everything, but the work orders and all the financials were all messed up. And I was spending all my time trying to dig through the accounting and the bills and the credit card receipts. And it was a nightmare on the accounting side. They didn't have a software in place. The woman's son was running the books and I like Mm -hmm. didn't ask these questions and it was a nightmare. The second lesson I learned was making sure that if you're going to go with a third-party property manager, that they have the relationships in place that can knock out work orders quickly and get things done in-house. What's their relationship with contractors locally? Because the second property manager that we ended up letting go, it was taking them two weeks to get to just a minor work order, like a fixing a toilet. And it's because they didn't have any contractors in-house to like Mm. knock out little things. I get, you need to sub out the big stuff, the electrical, you know, maybe the HVAC Mm -hmm. roof stuff, but you need to vet your property managers. Can they knock out work orders quickly? Do they have contractors in place to get things done? So those were the two lessons that I learned moving forward. And now we have the, just the best of the best property managers because I think I learned those lessons the hard way on that mm-hmm. building. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. 
Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get 15% off right now with the code BEC15 at besteverconference.com. That's the code BEC15 for 15% off at besteverconference.com. So from those two lessons, both property management related, and you said ask a lot of questions and then make sure they have the right team in place from an in-house standpoint. What are a couple of questions that you would ask? And I heard what you said, but if you ask, hey, do you have people in place that can do work orders quickly? they're going to say yes, doesn't matter who they are. So knowing what you know now, how would you ask those questions, both about the reporting and bookkeeping and also the in-house question? How would you ask those to make sure you're getting the answer that you need in order to make a good decision? Great question. I'm just, I always take just a couple of notes so I'm not, I don't forget and get off track because I can go down some tangents, but this is basic sales 101. You don't ask a yes or no question because you're going to pigeonhole yourself into getting a yes or no answer. So if I could go back to that conversation in the way that I have them now is you ask it very open-ended and see where they take the conversation. So it sounds something like this. Hey, just curious, how do you guys currently handle work orders? And leave it open-ended and see where they take the conversation. But what you're going to do is sort of guide that conversation to, okay, what about in-house work orders? What do you guys sub out currently? And letting them elaborate on their process and mm-hmm. their, that is, I think the biggest thing rather than asking them yes or no questions. And the same thing with the financials. I should have asked her, can you walk me through a little bit about how your accounting system works right now and how you mm-hmm. guys handle the bookkeeping? If I had asked that question and she told me, well, my son handles the bookkeeping and we do it <laughs> on an Excel sheet, I would have freaking ran for the hills. <laughs> I love your approach to open-ended questions and let them talk. And you just ask follow-up questions. That's awesome. It's 101. You should listen twice as much as you're talking. Yeah, but it's it's also the open-ended questions versus people who would be inclined to have a checklist of, hey, do you have this? Do you have this? And then they're checking off their checklist of questions they ask, whereas yours is more, here's the outcome that we want. And then it's going to take probably multiple follow-up questions on the fly in order to get to that outcome. I'm just going to let them talk. A hundred percent. And I think the other lesson too, Joe, is that you have to know what your desired outcome is or what those questions are geared toward the responses that you're trying to get and uncover. Right. And that's kind of the lessons that I was just telling you about earlier. And that's, what's really important is where are those questions actually leading to? Well, okay. Thank you for that. So now let's go to 50 units. How much was it? And by the way, where are these properties? You're in Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. So I started wholesaling in South Florida and it wasn't really conducive to where I wanted to build an apartment portfolio. So my wife and I packed up and left, didn't know anybody when we moved here, just came to Nashville. I loved it where it was located, obviously Southeast landlord friendly state. And then I was able to put a pin in Nashville, draw a two hour radius around Nashville. And I was able to grab Chattanooga, Huntsville, Louisville. We have some stuff in Florida, but most of our assets are in Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama. So most of our stuff is in Louisville, Chattanooga, and here in Nashville. We've entered and exited in Huntsville and have some stuff in Florida too. But I'm right here in the Southeast Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama. 
to answer your All question. Right. So this 50 unit, where is it? Is that in Louisville? Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga. Okay. How did you find it? Off market, direct to seller, came from a text message, believe it or not. How'd you get their number to text them? Skip trace their number. Pull the list from Reonomy, which is Reonomy. the software. Yep. And so then- you got the list from Reonomy, and then what'd you do? Got the list from Reonomy. We skip traced it, and we put it into our marketing sequence. I love buying direct to seller. Most of the stuff that I have in my portfolio, we bought directly from the sellers. So put it in our marketing cadence and they responded to a text message. I sat down with the owner at a McDonald's and he pulled out his rent roll. It was on the back of a napkin and he was collecting the rent, mowing the grass, kind of a mom and pop, just your traditional perfect avatar seller for apartments for forced depreciation value add stuff. And ultimately ended up getting a Fannie Mae loan on it because I put together all the financials manually based on his napkin. So, wow. Direct to seller. So, so, you bought the list from Reonomy. Mm-hmm. You skip traced it. What service do you use to skip trace? So, there's a, a lot of VAs and stuff like on Fiverr that'll do skip tracing for you. We use a private guy. I don't mind plugging him. His name's Ryan Smith. Uh, he's got a, <laughs> Fair he's, enough. He's got a company called Lead Smith. Just Google him. <laughs> yeah. Google him. Sorry, he's got a company called what? Lead Smith. Is Lead Smith. Okay, fair enough. Once you said the company name, then it's an easy Google. I was just laughing at the Ryan Smith part. I haven't negotiated any kickback yet, so just wait until you guys... Uh, <laughs> fair enough. You got maybe a, a week or so before this episode airs. To, <laughs> cool. All right, so then marketing sequence. How many text messages did this owner receive before they agreed to meet? It was on the first text message, but he had received some other marketing from us. So it wasn't a foreign text message because he had gotten a couple letters from us and he had gotten, I don't know if he had received the email, but he was on an email sequence as well prior to the text message. So he had gotten two letters, two emails, and then this was the first text that he responded to, to set up a meeting. Got it. So he received two letters. He did not respond. He received two emails. He did not respond. He received a text message. He responded. Got to hit them on all communication medium. <laughs> That's right. What did the text message say? I'd have to go back to the language. That was a while ago, but just something generic. Hey, I'd sent you a couple letters. I'm not sure if you're interested in selling the property. We'd love to have a quick conversation with you, whether now's the right time or not. With apartment owners, Joe, all the messaging is geared towards building a relationship. It's not like single family where you're kind of looking for distress and motivation you really won't find too much of that in multifamily. I mean, these people, they do want to sell, but not a lot of these are going to be distressed sales. I mean, mm-hmm. you're very rarely you're going to find that. So it's all geared towards relationship building. And I think I said, like, I'd love to sit down with you and talk about your portfolio, see if it might be the right time to sell. And this guy wasn't in a lot of pain, but he was just tired of mowing the grass and collecting the rent and doing all that stuff. And educate me on Reonomy. I'm not too familiar with it. Are you sending the marketing sequence the two letters, the two emails, text messages via Reonomy? Yeah, you can. It does have that service. However, we pull the list out, skip trace it externally, and then we send that list to a mailhouse. Mailhouse, and they send the letters out. Correct. But what about the emails and the text message? We use MailChimp for the emails, and we were using Sendy for the text messages, which is where he actually got his text messages from Sendy, and then ultimately... Cindy, I think, shut down. So now we use a service called Launch Control. So how do you coordinate if at the time, or it sounds like still, you have at least three different companies that are sending out stuff on your behalf to the same person? Mm -hmm. How do you track that internally to make all those systems speak to each other so it's easy for you to see the response or lack thereof? 
Yeah. So I have a COO for that, that tracks all the, he's the integrator. He tracks all the data, but with the apartments, you're not going to get a ton of leads. It's not like single family where you can shoot postcards out to 50,000 people in any sort of Metro secondary or tertiary. There's only probably three or 400 apartment owners that might be in your target. So it's not a ton. You don't need some robust CRM. I think that's a limiting belief that people have. Like, I don't have a CRM set up like Podio. I need, and you can get it done with an Excel sheet. And I'll be honest, I've acquired all my assets based with an Excel sheet to keep track of who calls in. I have it ring directly to me because I want to be the one that has the conversation. If a seller is calling in, have someone on the phone who can actually talk to talk. I think if you end up putting somebody in that position to answer calls, you know, you may end up doing yourself a disservice, but I track them in an Excel sheet, to be honest with you, Joe. I mean, I'm not going to overcomplicate it. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. How are you doing on your goals this year, whether it's planning for your goals or whether it's executing on those goals? I imagine one of them has to do with financial freedom, taking control of your finances. And I can tell you that is a possibility with the next one to three years using a proven system created by my friend, Michael Blanc. He's got the program Deal Maker Mentoring. Here are some of his students who have been in the program and what they've accomplished. Melanie McDaniel, she closed her first 24-unit joint venture deal and is now pivoting to become full-time in the industry. Within five months of joining, Cheryl Groovy from Atlanta, she had a 34-unit deal under contract, and she partnered with two other deal maker mentoring students, and together they raised $700,000. And Brian Briscoe, he said thanks to deal maker mentoring, he had the opportunity to accelerate his timeline and go after much bigger deals than he would have on his own. If you are ready to commit to achieving your dreams this year and you've been thinking about getting into multifamily, well, text the word Joe to 66866. Again, that's the word Joe. You know how to spell my name, right? J-O-E to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Yeah. Simplicity is very helpful in order for us to execute regularly. So glad to hear that. 
All right. So I think I've uncovered the way we can add a whole lot of value to a lot of people on this show. And that is that you've purchased majority, or I think you might've said all of your large apartments off market direct to seller. So let's talk about that because clearly right now it's a challenge to find deals and a lot of people have excuses. Most of them are just BS excuses because they're not putting in the effort to do things like you're doing Mm -hmm. and or hiring people or bringing on people who have those skill sets to do this stuff. So that's the 50 unit. What about the next deal? How did you find it? And I have bought a couple of deals from brokers, so not Mm -hmm. all my stuff is. um, Yeah, fair enough. But the next deal was a 93 unit that was right here in Nashville. And that one was negotiated directly with the seller as well. $8.3 million purchase price. He actually owner financed it, held a $6.1 million note for us. So we didn't have to go to the bank to get a loan, didn't have to get approved for anything, no appraisal, nothing. Sat down with him, figured out what he wanted. He had owned it for over 20 years, just a lot of operational efficiencies that we were able to come in day one, increase the NOI by 110,000 by cutting salaries in day one, which increased our value over a couple million bucks overnight. We can dig into that, but that was the next deal. We did a syndication, raised 2.8 million on a 506C, which is open to the public. That was our first 506C syndication. That was a 93 unit? Correct. Yeah. Right here in Nashville. Yeah. And I heard that you said direct to owner letter. Got it. Okay. So before it was sent two letters and two emails and the text message. Are the two letters, do they go out first before the emails? We do letter, email, letter, email, text, letter, email, text, and then they get off that cadence and give them a break and then they go back on it later on. And how soon after they receive a letter do they get the email? Two weeks. So every action is two weeks? Give or take. It's like Give or take, right. And so you said it was the first letter? Second letter he got from us. So he had already received a letter and an email. Again, you can't tell if they get the emails. You just have to assume that they're seeing your name and your logo. Mm -hmm. I just know that we mailed him twice. I don't know if if he called me from the first letter that he held on to. Second one that got him. That's what you never know, Joe. So people will pull a list and do a campaign and get no phone calls. And they're like, ah, this doesn't work. Well, you got to kind of put some activity in. (laughs) Oh, it's. These people need to see you a few times before they reach out to even set a meeting to see if you're serious. The other thing that I had going for me on this one in full transparency is we had a broker that had a relationship that was also able to speak to our credibility that knew the seller very well too. So it was off market and never even touched the market and nobody else even got a phone call to even bid on it. But I also build a lot of relationships with brokers in addition to the direct to seller marketing. So on this one, actually got a letter and we kind of tag team it with a broker relationship that was able to help out mm-hmm. get us in there for credibility. And what was that broker compensated? The seller compensated him on the sale. I think he okay. made 50000 And when you send the letters, are they the same exact letter and same question for the emails? No. Different letters. You switch it up some. Got it. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. What would you say to someone who says... I'm having a hard time finding multifamily deals. So is everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of activity. I think people say that and they probably haven't even begun to look at enough deals to even come out and say something like that because I don't think enough people getting into this understand how much activity you have to load into the top of the funnel as far as deal flow goes and underwriting goes. To I'm looking at 60 to 70 deals before we buy one. 
and underwriting 20, 25 deals before we're actually closing on one. There's 10, 12 LOIs going out right now to get a deal closed. There's a lot that goes into the top of the funnel and people are looking at four or five deals saying, oh, there's nothing out there. They're going on LoopNet and looking at the three, four deals on LoopNet. There's no deals out there. You just got to increase your deal flow and look at enough properties and start underwriting enough deals to actually get one closed because it's a numbers game. It's a race to 60 or 70 deals It's is what it is. So if you change the way you think about it, not that there's no deals out there, but hey, 70 deals need to come across my desk. You're going to raise your standards for your activity level and the rest is going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Kind of a long-winded answer, but I hope that was helpful. That's helpful. All on point. We're not going to go through your other deals because I think we've found the main focus for this conversation. I'm glad that we talked yeah. about it. So I'm going to ask you the question we ask everyone. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Best real estate investing advice ever? Trust the numbers. Fall in love with the numbers. Don't fall in love with the deal. Too many people fall in love with the actual property or the piece of real estate. And you try and fit a square peg in a round hole and actually try and force the numbers to work. When I get a deal, Joe, I try and kill it on the underwriting. Like I kill the deal on the numbers. And then if it fights to stay alive and still stays in the green, then I trust it and I do the deal. So fall in love with the numbers and get good at trusting the numbers because they don't lie. And they tell a story when you're looking at these properties, the numbers will tell you a story. You have to trust it, the story and be able to change the narrative and trust the numbers moving forward and they'll take care of you. You've got 328 units as an LP. Mm-hmm. So how many deals are you in as an LP? That's five. How many different sponsors? Two. Two. How'd you pick those two sponsors? Track record, vetted them hard. You got to vet your GPs. A bad GP can screw up a great deal if they don't know how to run it. And when you say vetted them hard, will you qualify that a little bit? Yeah. Look at how many properties have they purchased? What's their current assets under management? How many have they successfully exited? Is this their first deal? And that's not to say I wouldn't invest in somebody if it was their first deal, but I just got to feel very comfortable with them in their game plan, their reposition plan for the property. I'm looking a lot at their numbers and how they're projecting out. Are they a little overzealous on the rent increases. A lot of people think you can both increase rents and decrease expenses all at the same time, and it's going to be hunky-dory. So what's their narrative change going to be? How are they going to force appreciation? So not only what the narrative is for the deal, but also what is the narrative for those sponsors? Do they have other jobs that they're doing? Am I just talking to a money raiser? Am I actually talking to someone who's going to be actually hands-on with the property? Those are the kinds of things that I'm asking when vetting a sponsor. How are they getting a debt? Like who's sponsoring the debt? All that kind of stuff is important when you're looking at investing in an LP. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. What deal have you lost the most amount of money on? Believe it or not, I have never lost money in a real estate deal. I did a lot of wholesale deals, but we've flipped a lot of properties. Even the fix and flips, huh? Yeah, we kept a very tight box on what we would actually take down and flip and we would wholesale everything else that was outside of our box. So we really got super specific on, and this is probably a good tip, but we didn't do any renovation over 40,000. We kept it cookie cutter on the renovations, things that just needed the basic cosmetics. And we stayed within that box and then wholesaled everything that was outside of that box. And it ended up treating us pretty well. So never lost money on a real estate deal. Best of way you like to give back to the community for-purpose apartment communities. So we put a line item below the line. We're working this into our our new acquisitions as well, but we like to give back with for-purpose apartment communities. So each 
apartment complex that we buy has an initiative. Some of them are child sex trafficking. Some might be disaster recovery. And they all have an initiative below the line expense item that can fund an initiative. So both the residents and the investors now feel like they're a part of a greater purpose. And we feel like we're giving back to a greater purpose as well to the things that matter to us. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? I had our marketing team put a link together just for your listeners. I did this first offer challenge where I went into a brand new market. I know this is a lightning round, but this is pretty cool for your listeners. I went into a brand new market from scratch with no relationships. And I just cold called and I went from going to a brand new market to making and submitting an LOI in five days with one hour a day of work. And I recorded the whole thing and kind of put it into this little package to kind of eliminate everybody's limiting beliefs that you just can't get started and get an LOI out. So we cold called brokers. I cold called sellers. I was doing it live and they can get a hold of that if they want to opt into our world at sevenfiguremultifamily.com forward slash Chad, and they can get access to that challenge. But if they want to come see me, I'm at Chad King on Facebook. We have seven figure multifamily as our mastermind group. We do an event in Nashville in June or this year in June, we're doing an event. And if you guys want to come over and check us out at sevenfiguremultifamily.com, that's our mastermind where we teach people how to do what we're doing. Got it. And you don't spell out seven? No, the number seven. And then yeah, fig- the number seven. Yeah, I just tried typing in seven. That doesn't work. So yeah, number seven figuremultifamily.com forward slash chat. I see that. I don't, I don't know if that link is live. I actually told them to set it up this morning. It is live. They oh. are on point. Wow. <laughs> so yep, it's there. Well, Chad, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing with us in detail how to get off-market deals. And hey, if you're having a hard time finding deals and you're not doing this, then here is a solution for how to find deals. I love the comment you gave regarding, well, you just got to keep doing it and have a system. And the results are here in your story. So thank you for that, Chad. Inspirational and very, very helpful and timely for a lot of investors. So hope you have a best ever day and we'll see you at the best ever conference here in about a month or so and uh, yeah. looking forward to shaking your hand. Can't wait, Joe. Thanks for having me on. I think we're a platinum yep. sponsor. So can't wait to see you. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Always right. great value on this.